And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. Well, we've already lied to you this afternoon <laughs> or this morning already because Stan is not here. I am Craig Heist sitting in for Stan the Fan. Along with Bonzatufa, who is uh, running the ones and the twos over on the board and making sure this thing gets up and running and all things proper and in the right direction. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? I'm hanging in there and uh, not a lot of sleep last night. You did get half the week off, though, didn't you? Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but there were still things to do, but there was no Nats. They were finishing up their road trip. The Orioles were starting their road trip. So, because of a series in late August that overlapped, right? Uh, th- that's the reason why we have the three days where neither team is home, uh, as we had this past week. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, kind of a nice respite, if you will, to have uh, three days where you can concentrate on, yeah, doing things you need to do to get ready for the, re- the end of the week, uh, the Nats series with the Pirates, mm-hmm. the Orioles down in Tampa, uh, the Ravens football game coming up on Sunday with the Steelers tomorrow at M&T Bank Stadium. Uh, so it was it was nice to be able to kind of take a little bit of a break, get ready for that, prepare for it, but also get a chance to do some of the things and run the errands that you're not able to do during the course of the week when it's 7, 24-7, both teams in town or both, you know, one team in town for a whole week. Right. So, I mean, it's just crazy. But it was nice to have the three days to kind of chill a little bit. And now you're back here with me. Well, you know, <laughs> no no good deed goes unpunished, I guess. Uh, welcome to the Bat Around. I am Craig Heiss sitting in for Stan. And uh, we want you to take a look at us on Facebook and uh, to do that, you can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. That's how you can see both of our faces. Not that you'd want to, but you can. <laughs> Maybe mine, though. Uh, all right, good A enough, piece then. to the younger audience. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Bonza? I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can also listen if you want to hear just the audio of the show, like a regular radio show, go to pressboxonline.com slash radio. We are talking all things Major League Baseball for the next two hours. And coming up on the show today, as we are now in the final weekend of the regular season, in about 15 minutes, Steve Molesky will be joining us. And Steve, of course, does great work for Mass and Sports and MassandSports.com. He'll be on the line uh, right around 10:15. Then at the bottom of the hour, you hear him, you love him, right here on Press Box, and it's Glenn Clark of Glenn Clark Radio. He'll be, be dropping in, and you can catch him every morning, Monday through Friday, from uh, 10 to noon. And uh, we're going to check him, uh, check in with him to to get his take on what has been just a dismal, dismal month of September. For your Baltimore Orioles. so should also ask him about the Ravens game last week. <laughs> well, we will ask him about the Ravens game. We, we can fit that in. And we can also get his uh, take on what he thinks may happen tomorrow uh, in terms of the national anthem and some of the protests that have been going on throughout the NFL over the last week. Now, on Thursday night, 
we saw both the Packers and the Bears at Lambeau Field uh, wind up, you know, basically interlocking arms during the anthem, but everyone stood for the anthem. And uh, I think that message became loud and clear to the NFL after the backlash from fans and and some of the uh, things we saw written and said on social media uh, to, you know, that that was negative toward that. Uh, I think the fans are kind of done with it. And it's going to be interesting to see now with the Ravens game tomorrow what, uh, number one, what the turnout is. Number two, the Steelers have already said they will stand and lock arms for the national anthem. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what the Ravens do. Didn't the Ravens national anthem singer resign? He did. Joey Odoms, yeah. He, he, uh, he resigned, and uh, they're bringing in, I believe, three different people you know, right. to, to kind of chorus up mm-hmm. and uh, do the national anthem uh, tomorrow. So, again, we'll see how that is uh, done at the stadium in, in terms of reaction from the fans, uh, and that reaction largely in part will be as to how the Ravens react to it, because I think we know how the Steelers, at least to this point, are going to react to it and what they've said, uh, because there was some controversy, obviously, in Chicago with them last week. But over in England, or over in London, I should say, uh, last week when the Ravens played the Jags, uh, you know, a lot of the Ravens kneeled during the anthem, and that did not go over well with the large majority of the population. Some support the protest. Most do not. I think that's safe to say. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of reaction takes place tomorrow at M&T Bank Stadium. Well, the NBA also just came up with these new guidelines which emphasize standing for the anthem as well. Mm-hmm. So, and, 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 of course, uh, you, you know, when you think about some of the bl- backlash from uh, LeBron James and uh, also Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors and what they had to say about it and the president, uh, again, how does how do they react to what the league is telling them, or what they are kind of laying down the, the gauntlet, if you will? So again, we we have about a month before the actual NBA season gets going in right. earnest. Uh, NHL gets going very soon. The preseason no, a, a already week, started. A week from today. Yeah, it's crazy. Capitals, capital. <laughs> actually, you know what? It's on Thursday because the Capitals open on the road in Ottawa, is and it? then they come home and play the uh, Canadians at. Uh, uh, the arena down in D.C., which is uh, what now? Um, Capital One Capital Arena. Capital One Arena yeah, down in D.C. That's yeah. so, I'm so it's, not used to I'm that. Gonna, it's going to take me a while, too. So used to the phone booth. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we have Steve Molesky of MassInSports.com. And uh, just an ugly night for the Orioles last night. Yeah. 7 nothing loss to the Rays. And, uh, again, it was one of those situations where you, you look at Wade Miley in those first two innings last night. Uh, Looked great. He, he retired six of the seven that he – faces through the first two, and then it all blows up. Bases loaded in the third, bases loaded in the fourth. Uh, the staff walked 10 total last night. Evan Longoria hit a home run. Uh, Logan Morrison hit a home run. Uh, but, uh, you know, right now they sit in last place, a game behind Tampa. So it's going to be very interesting to see where, where this team winds up. And obviously if they don't win – these last two games, it's going to be in the cellar. And who would have thought that about a month ago? Right. A little more than a month ago when <laughs> they had, seven pulled, game when they had pulled to within a half game of the wild card. Yeah. Uh, it, August and September are like polar opposites. Yeah. It's amazing how it just completely turned for the worst. Exactly. So, so with that, uh, the Nationals taking on the Pirates this weekend down in D.C. at Nats Park. And uh, they've got a chance – 
for a four-game sweep, and if they can do that, they will break their franchise mark for wins in a season. And I say since the Nats came to town in 05, uh, the best year was uh, 98 wins, but they have a chance uh, to, to better that by one game. Last night, their 97th win after a 6-1 win over the Pirates. And uh, with Max Scherzer on the hill today, uh, you think they probably have a pretty good shot uh, this evening, but again, that's why they play the games. In the 11 o'clock hour, Richard Justice from MLB.com will be joining us uh, to preview the playoffs, which begins Tuesday with the American League wildcard game, the Twins, and maybe the Yankees, but we don't know that yet. How does that get decided if the Yankees and Red Sox tie? Well, then the Yankees have the better record. So it's, it's a tiebreaker. That's so the tiebreaker. tiebreaker. No, no, no. Uh, they would play a one-game playoff to decide oh, okay. the division, and that would be at Yankee Stadium on Monday if that, okay. ha- if that happens. Right. But, again, the Yankees have two more games against the Blue Jays today at 105 and then tomorrow afternoon uh, in the Bronx, and then the Red Sox are in the midst of playing the Astros who won last night, and uh, they're battling for the best record uh, in the league and uh, home field advantage. So a lot on the line for them is they want to continue doing what they've done pretty much the whole season long, which is continue to play good, solid baseball and win. And it's going to be interesting to see, too, because uh, with these two games, you, or these two series, you have the battle for MVP. A lot of people say Aaron Judge, but... Uh, it's kind of hard for me to vote against Jose Altuve. To be fair, though, with Judge, he's had an amazing month of September after that two-month slump beforehand. Well, it, it, it has, he has had that, but the other part of it is, are you looking for just the slump or are you looking for the whole year? Mm-hmm. And I think Altuve, another 200-hit season, what he means to that club and their success, the catalyst, if you will, uh, there's a lot to like about Jose Altuve, especially not just offensively, but defensively second, as yeah. well at second base. He's one of the best in the business. And the other thing about the, the, him getting his due, if you will, is the fact that, in my mind, the Astros will be on national television, which you don't get a lot of with Houston, uh, and the rest of the country will now get to see what kind of a player he is. I mean, not only can he hit well, he can hit for power, he can steal bases, he's got really good speed, and he's one of the best second basemen there is in the league. He is, and uh, again, you look at what they've done down there uh, in Houston, and, and I think one of the biggest things, you know, heading toward the postseason for them is the acquisition of Justin Verlander. Yeah, uh, he... It was very surprising, and I wasn't sure how Verlander would be with the Astros. That's his first team, first different team, because he's been with the Tigers for his career. Mm-hmm. But I'm very impressed with how he's adapted to the Astros, and I'm pretty sure he's already becoming a leader of that squad. Well, I'm sure he has, too. And, you know, he had, he had a little bit of a uh, – he himself didn't, but going into that when he was traded down there – there was a lot of noise from Dallas Keuchel about how he still wanted to be the guy. The number one starter. The number one starter and how he was going to handle that. He had said some things right before the trade deadline uh, in that, you know, he was very disappointed the Astros didn't go out at the deadline and do something significant to try to bolster the club. Well, then, you know, they get past the, non, the, the trade deadline into where you can still make deals, but, you know, guys have to pass through waivers. 
And then they acquire Verlander, and all of a sudden that talk, especially after the three or four starts that Verlander has had, that's kind of quieted down. This Astros team was already <coughs> tough to begin with. Now they're going to be extra tough. You got, so, I mean, you got Verlander, Keuchel. We know what Fires can do. McCullers. Exactly. When it comes to the playoffs, you don't really need a full five-man no, you rotation. Don't. You don't. And, that, and that's why I'm so optimistic about the Nationals right. doing well this postseason, even though they have the Cubs in the first round uh, beginning Friday at Nats Park, is the fact that this year they have something that they haven't had in the past, and that's a, a healthy Steven Strasburg right. going in. And we saw what he did last night, two hits, uh, eight strikeouts, over seven and, and, and two-thirds. Yeah. So uh, that's, a, that's a, a nice weapon for Dusty Baker to be able to put behind Max Scherzer. So in the first two games at Nats Park, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get Scherzer in game one and then Strasburg in game two. And granted, it's going to be Arietta Lester, but I think the Nationals are much more well-equipped to handle that this year uh, when, when you stop to think of the acquisitions they made in the bullpen right. uh, at, at the trade deadline or right near the trade deadline. It's incredible how they were one of the worst bullpens in the National League before that deadline, and now they're one of the best. Well, and yeah, and you Doolittle think, has you, been incredible. Matson's been incredible. Well, Matt, uh, Doolittle blow save on uh, Thursday night, gave up a two-run homer yeah. in, the, in the top of the ninth inning, but that's a game that the Nats wind up winning in the bottom of the ninth, mm-hmm. and Doolittle gets the vulture win. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, we were, we were talking to him after the game about blowing the save, and, he, you know, maybe it comes at the right time for him, kind mm-hmm. of gets it behind him heading into the playoffs. So, you know, you never know. That's why they play the games. But uh, really, when you, when you can throw uh, Kinsler in the seventh, uh, Matson in the eighth, and yep. bring in Doolittle in the ninth, uh, that's a pretty formidable three uh, on the back end of that bullpen, not to mention the job uh, that Matt Albers has done uh, for this team all year long because I would hate to think – what this bullpen or what this team would have gone through if not had uh, they not had Matt Albers and pitching the way he was, especially when other people in that bullpen at the time were not getting the job done. So he was kind of a savior. So we're going to talk uh, to Richard Justice from MLB.com at the 11 o'clock hour, and he'll preview uh, what's coming up uh, this week. And as we said, the Red Sox and the Yankees kind of battling it out now. The Yankees two games behind the Red Sox as we head into the final two games of uh, the season. Uh, So it's getting very interesting. And uh, you've got the Red Sox and Astros today at one with McCullers against Pomerantz. And then the Astros and Blue Jays from the Bronx also at one today with Marcus Stroman going for the Jays' Jaime Garcia for the Yankees. Now over in the National League, the Rockies' magic number to clinch that second wild card is down to one after they beat the Dodgers last night, nine to one uh, at Coors Field. Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, Nolan Arenado, and Mark Reynolds all going deep, and uh, they continue to roll uh, right along. So again, you don't expect them to. You, you expect them to clinch at home probably one of these next two days. Uh, something else we'll talk to Richard about is the fact that. Uh, uh, Derek Jeter and the new ownership group in Miami, they fired four more people. Uh, how this is going to go forward, I heard uh, a report today that they're almost 100% sure that they're going to trade uh, John Carlos Stanton. Really? So hmm. we'll see how that progresses uh, throughout the winter once we get there. And then about 1130, and as I said, a lot of excitement 
down in Washington surrounding the Nationals for the postseason. And uh, that'll start Friday against the Cubs in the NL Divisional Series. And uh, we'll talk to Chelsea Janes of the Washington Post about that. And uh, also a couple of guys we talked to yesterday, Gio Gonzalez, who will make his final start of the year tomorrow. And it's been a really good year, bounce back year for Gio Mm -hmm. as he's pitched well most of the season uh, for the Nationals. And also play-by-play man Bob Carpenter from Masson as he'll preview the Cubs and the Nationals uh, going forward. We're going to head out to the phones right now and bring in our good buddy Steve Molesky from Masson Sports and MassonSports.com. Steve, good morning. How are you? Hey, what's up, hi, Steve? Not a whole lot. Uh, boy, this team, the Orioles limping to the finish line. Uh, 17 out of the last 21 in the loss column. And last night, uh, not a good effort. 7 nothing loss to the Rays as uh, Wade Miley I, I'm still having trouble wrapping my head around this, even though I've watched it a lot this year. You, you look at the first two innings, he winds up going through uh, those two innings, you know, having retired six of seven. He did walk uh, a batter, but then you look at uh, innings three and four, bases loaded. He gets out of the third with only one run, but then things kind of blow up on him after that. Uh, there's a $12 million option uh, club option for him next year. I can't see them picking him up now, uh, especially with the way he's pitched lately. No, I can't either. He he hasn't been good enough for that and really hasn't given him reasons to do it. And so, you know, uh, the door was really open for him to get that picked up because, yeah. as we know, the Orioles' starting pitching has been terrible for most of the year. And he's unfortunately one of the key reasons why. And it's hard to imagine – uh, back now, but um, and I looked it up to double check. I mean, in early um, June, his ERA was 2.82, which was fifth in the American League. I mean, he went two months into the season, top 10 ERA in the league, and has finished you know with an ERA nearly six. So it's been going south for a long time, and there have been some rare instances when he pitched well within that, but not very many at all. And, uh, a season for him of nibbling around the plate. The pitch counts too high, not getting deep in games, and just not good. Well, you know, it's not a secret, and, and you and I were kind of kidding along with Rockabotco earlier this week, uh, you know, the reports from John Heyman and also, I guess, Morrissey, uh, where, you know, they're saying, well, the Orioles are going to look for starting pitching, no doubt about it. Well, uh, two starters. Well, yeah, they need two starters, but they probably need more than two starters. Uh, so really what they were trying to make a story isn't really a story at all. I think the Orioles know now what the deal is and, and what has to happen for this to get turned around and in the right direction next year. Well, you know, those stories were saying things like they're going to acquire uh, two starters outside, from outside the organization. And I mean, that's probably a very safe bet. The question is going to be, you know, within that, they may acquire six starters, but but four or five might be AAA guys or minor league free agents. You know, most teams always do that. They try to add, you know, the the Gabrielle Yanoas of the world, which they hope they hit on, which the Orioles did last year, and they hope they hit on him. You know, he's pitching pretty well. But I think what fans are really waiting to see, and all of us are, is will they start swimming into the deeper end of the pool in free agency? We know we don't expect the Orioles to sign a $150 million pitcher. That would shock us all if they go for the top, very top of the market. 
but will they go for the next tier of the market and beyond the, you know, like they've done the Ubaldo bit and that didn't work out at that level of signing, and so now will they bump it up one and have to get that $60, $80 million guy who may actually make a difference, and that, that may be where they're at, and then we'll see if they're able to do it. Well, we, we heard a little bit about uh, the uh, Orioles wanting to go out and uh, look certainly and talk to uh, Alex Cobb's people. Uh, have you heard anything about that and where you think that might go? I mean, because he's obviously a guy with some pretty good stuff and, and it's pretty durable. I mean, they're sure, I'm sure they're going to have interest, and <clears throat> the point's going to be how far are they going to go with it and are they going to outbid some teams? Because when you get to that point, uh, in the past, they've kind of, as you know, let the market play out. And Ubaldo, that when they signed him, believe it or not, was supposed to get me more money than he got. He yeah. kind of fell down a, a little bit, and then they jumped in and signed him. And so now uh, fans want them to be proactive. They don't want a signing in February. They'd like to see one in you know November and a strike early and get one of these, you know, Top guys, can they do it? Will they do it? It would be a little bit of a change of course, but it's also a year where they have $50 million coming off the books when you look at all the players who are leaving the team or whose contracts are up. Uh, now you have to add arbitration raises because guys like Zach Britton and Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope, they're all going to make more money next year, and uh, you have to account for that too. So somewhere in there they got to make it all work. You know, I, got, I, I found out, driving in today that you know major league baseball set a record yesterday for the most strikeouts throughout the entire major leagues for for one season and i get to thinking about what we see from chris davis and 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 mark trumbo a lot and, and you know let's face it a lot of guys in this lineup uh who have that issue of striking out a lot so it's just not a problem uh for the orioles this seems to be a league-wide issue I, I guess. I mean, we've been in this era, when this run of many years now, where strikeouts and home runs are both on the increase, and players are hunting the long ball, and that's that's what the game has morphed into. But within that, you know, there's still guys who don't strike out a lot, and guys who are more well-rounded hitters, and and get on base and get extra base hits, and aren't producing, you know, a lot of homers, but are still productive. So. Those players seem to be more few and far between right now. And a lot of people put it to the dollars that, you know, that the home runs pay, and until that changes, then maybe the game won't change. But maybe last winter we started to see a change with that because, remember, uh, Trumbo, people mm -hmm. said 60, 70, 80 million he might get after all the homers he hit. He got 37, 5 from the Orioles. Jose Batista up in Toronto, same Jose thing. Jose Batista, yeah. Pedro Alvarez has won a home run title and couldn't get job almost with anybody until the very end with the Orioles. So and spent and, again, and spent the and case. spent the he's year the in the minor leagues. Yeah, he can't he can't play defense or doesn't play it well enough. So he's he's really locked in as a DH at least Trumbo, while not a great fielder, you can put him out there. So, but yeah, we're seeing um, maybe maybe we started to see a bit of a change last year where teams are paying less for just homers, um, and you have to be able to do more things than that. Uh, you had uh, written a column this past week uh, for MassInSports.com uh, talking about the Orioles' farm system, and uh, you got a pretty good take from uh, 
uh, John Manuel from uh, Baseball America. And all of a sudden, when you see, uh, you know, the chance Cisco's come up here, Santander for the month of September, uh, you're getting Austin Hayes out in right field, uh, getting a good look at him. All of a sudden, what has been perceived as a not-so-good farm system all of a sudden started to jump up in the rankings a little bit. And you, you kind of wonder, is it just because of a guy like Austin Hayes? Or what, what exactly and is, is it right now? And what kind of shape is the Orioles' farm system in? Well, I mean, the national analysts think it's in the best shape it's been in in years. And the, the organizational rankings I've contended for a long time are basically driven by how many top 100 guys do you have? And when the Orioles had essentially won Francisco, their organizational ranking was going to be low, 26-27, and that thus creates the narrative the Orioles' farm system is not good. And that's been the narrative for a couple of years, and I'm not saying it was wrong, but I'm saying we have to look a little deeper than just that. And while that narrative was going on, Craig, they were sending players to the major leagues, and Trey Mancini was never ranked by anybody. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And, you know, if, if Trey Mancini had been a top 100 the last couple of years when maybe he should have, um, those rankings would have been better. But anyway, long story short, now Cisco's probably still top 100, even though he didn't have a great year at AAA. And uh, Hayes has flied up, flown up the radar to the top of the charts. And Mountcastle's in the mix for that. And Hunter Harvey's healthy and looked like his old self. And Tanner Scott's throwing 100 and made the majors. And D.L. Hall is highly regarded coming out of the draft. So now these analysts are saying, wait a second, there might be three or four top 100 guys here, and those organizational rankings are going to move up as well. And so now uh, the analysts I've talked to, and I've talked to several, say they're middle of the pack. And they haven't done these rankings yet, Craig, so they can't tell me, hey, they're number 13 because they right. haven't done it yet. But they're... They're just looking and saying, when we do it, I anticipate they'll be 12 to 18, somewhere in the middle, and that's better than the bottom, and that's trending up, so that's a good thing. And John Manuel, who really is a, does his homework, he doesn't just know the top guys in the system. He knows many more, and he started quoting you know, pitchers at lower levels who excelled this year at Aberdeen, you know, guys coming out of the draft like Bauman and Lothar, um, in addition to D.L. Hall, who they like a lot. So there's a little depth there. Uh, what they didn't have, as John explained, and I think fans know this, they don't have an abundance of middle infielders um, and, and those young athletic uh, middle infielders that teams like, and they didn't have uh, pitching at the, the top levels of the farm, and we certainly know that because if they had, they would have made it to Baltimore probably right. uh, when they were struggling in the rotation. So the farm system still has some room to work to do. Everybody knows that, but... All of a sudden, it's, it seems like it's all, all of a sudden. It, it's been coming for a few years. The improvement of Mullins got it became a prospect. Hayes burst onto the scene. Cisco continued to do well. Mountcastle had tremendous year. So now uh, there, there's things to hang their hat on that the farm looks a lot better, and it, and, it, and it is better. Well, let me ask you about Mountcastle. Now, there was a position change for him, uh, and, and over to third base, what do you think – uh, and I guess that's a nice backup plan to have, especially you know if they decide that they can't afford to sign Manny Machado. 
Uh, I know that's a ways down the road, but is that maybe the primary reason for that shift? Well, I mean, the Orioles won't say that. They don't link it that way. But um, I think a couple things here. Um, Ryan Mountcastle's throwing has not been great, and there are people who said from day one he's just not going to be a shortstop at higher levels. And I think the Orioles finally conceded that. And they said, but can he be a third baseman where uh, you, the throwing is different? Obviously, it's not as long a throw. You're not throwing from the hole with short. Uh, it's, it's not a range position. It's more reaction. And, he, and from what I heard, I'm talking to people at Bowie and outside the organization, he, uh, he held his own at third. He did, he did some things. He was certainly not. Uh, no one's talking about a gold glove, but it, it, it's in the realm of possibility that he could stay there where we thought he's going to left field. And that still may be his final destination. But for now, he's at third, and he, he did okay there at, uh, at the end of the year at Bowie. We're, gonna, we're talking to Steve Molesky of MassInSports.com. And uh, one last thing, you and I, Sunday, we're out there at Camden Yards uh, for the final home game. And, uh, kind of a storybook type of ending, if you will, if this is indeed his last game as an Oriole at home at Camden Yards, and that was J.J. Hardy. Uh, gets the big standing ovation in his first at bat, hits the two-run homer, has another uh, single in the game. And for, for, for a guy that you and I have been around for a long, long time, this is about as classy a guy as it gets, and what a great way to see him go out. It was. It really was a nice thing, and the Oriole fans were really up to up to the task, which was great to see. Uh, and I had friends tell me they're going to the game for J.J. Hardy, which I was surprised me yeah. a little bit. Uh, but they said, "I'm, you know, I'm kind of the season's wearing on me, but I'm going for J.J." And I think a lot of people did on Sunday, and couldn't have written a better script. The the ovation, but and you know, you know that the respect is incredible when you see two teams applauding. In the dugout, I mean, when's the last time we saw that? When Ripken ended the streak or something like that? Yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen every day. Two teams applauding for the, for the player. And then he hits the go-ahead home run, which was a great storyline, and gets another curtain call, you know, and again, again later in the game. And it was just great. And he handled it well. And, I mean, you know, uh, J.J., it, it was nice that he, he embraced it because, He's a guy who really doesn't, as you know, doesn't like the limelight or attention brought to him ever. And this time I think J.J. realized, you know what, I'm going to take my seven years here and soak this in a little bit. And he did, and that was a wonderful moment. And we'll be remembering that one for a while. Steve Molesky, MassInSports.com. Appreciate the time. And uh, uh, I know we don't see a whole lot of each other during the winter, but certainly we look forward to another year up at Camden Yards next season. I know, man. I expect to be on your hit list when, yeah. you're, when, you're, when you're treating to crabs and not uh, treating being the well, key word. There. We, we can do that any time during the winter. You know that. Steve, thanks well, a lot. When you're tab heisty, I'm ready to go. Let me know. All right. Thanks a lot for joining us. <laughs> we'll see you later, bud. All right. Steve Molesky of MassInSports.com, the Orioles and uh, Rays today at 610 from down in the trop. Yes. I was going to ask today, uh, Miguel Castro started. Yeah, he? I was just going to mention that. Yeah, yeah Miguel Castro uh, gets the start today for the Orioles. And uh, here's a guy that uh, has done yeoman's work out of the bullpen this year and has pitched a lot more innings than I think, obviously, Buck Showalter would have liked to have used him. 
Uh, he is three and two, a three two nine ERA. And it was funny after the All Star break, and the more that we saw Miguel Castro get used by Buck in situations where starters couldn't make it past the, the you know the third fourth inning. And Miguel would come in and give Buck three, four innings, things of that nature. Then you heard the fans and, and a lot of people who cover the team start to clamor about wanting him to uh, be a starter or saying things like, you know, if the Orioles don't look at this guy as a starter next year, they're nuts because they see the stuff. Uh, they see the composure of what's been a uh, pitcher up here, a young guy learning on the fly. And uh, you have to be impressed by, by what's going on with him in terms of his stuff, in terms of his command. Uh, and, and really, when he's not pitching well, we see it's usually because uh, he's been used a lot more uh, than what Buck Showalter uh, would like uh, to have him. He'll be going up against Chris Archer today. And Archer, although the record doesn't uh, say it at 9-12, and 12, the ERA is 418. And I think most people will tell you this is one of the better pitchers in the American League, pitching on a not-so-good club. I, I was going to ask about Castro. What's the plan with him when it comes to, is there a pitch count? Because I don't know how long well, the first outing thing, he's ever had. Well, the first thing they're going to have to do, if they really want him to start, they're going to have to stretch him out. Now, he's probably been stretched out, at least to this point, to, to be able to make a start like today. But I don't think you're going to see him go any more than five innings today. And that's, you know, if he's in the game, if he's keeping the ball club close, that kind of thing. Uh, but we'll see. But this is a guy they have to look at next year. If they're not going to go out and get the kind of pitching that we would like to see them go out and get mm -hmm. and spend the money. This is a guy, when you start thinking about Gosman and Bundy for next year and who to put behind them, this is certainly a guy on the top of the list. So from that standpoint, we'll get a chance to talk to Glenn Clark from Glenn Clark Radio. You can hear him on PressBox and see him on PressBoxOnline.com Monday through Friday, 10 to 12, right here, sitting in this very seat. Glenn, I'm keeping it warm for you until Monday. I'm so nervous that you farted in that seat five times already. <laughs> So nervous well, about it. Well, you know, What's bon, up, bon, Bonds' face is a little bit weird, so maybe it's affecting him, too. <laughs> this is what happens when I'm solo with Craig. Well, you know what? <laughs> and this is what happens when Stan takes a week off. <laughs> Got to ask yeah, you, right. we're watching this team lose 17 of 21 coming down the stretch. It's been absolutely brutal. Uh, it's a team that was within a half a game of the wild card had gotten themselves back into contention. You had some hope, and all that hope went right out the window. Yeah, I mean, it, it's infuriating. Now, look, I, you know, I think there's two sides to the argument, right, Craig? There's the side where you say, look, as soon as it's over, does it really matter how bad it gets from that point, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it, at some point, these are human beings that we're talking about. These guys know that it's over. Um, it is difficult to be inspired when you have certain goals and you don't reach those goals. Um, it's, it's nice to say the things that you want to say, right? Like you're still, you're still getting paid a lot to go out there and try, blah, 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 blah. But, I, you know, there's a human aspect to this, and I'm understanding of that. But I think the one thing that people have brought up recently, and I do think it's true, is that this doesn't happen under Buck Showalter. Like under Buck Showalter, the Orioles have always been very good in September, even in the years they've ended up falling short of the playoffs. And obviously I think we all go back to that first half of season that Buck Showalter was manager, and the Orioles completely came to life uh, as soon as he showed up. 
so I think that there are some people that say, hey, is there a concern that, that maybe it's not clicking with Buck anymore or something like that? I'm not willing to have that conversation at this point. I mean, it is, the, 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 the evidence on the other side is overwhelming. The evidence on this side is very small. Ultimately, at the end of the day, they, the reason why they were out of it is because they didn't have any pitching. It's not like it only got better uh, in September. The pitching is just as bad as it's been throughout the course of the season. So I, I think it's more difficult that they were ever in the position that they were in, given how you know just terrible their pitching was this season. Um, that is a part of the end of the season. That's not all that. All right, Glenn, we're talking with Glenn Clark uh, from right here at Press Box, Glenn Clark Radio. You can hear him and watch him 10 to 12, Monday through Friday. Uh, we're having a little trouble with your phone, so we're going to hope that hangs. Uh, can, you, can, you, can you hear me with the credit? Uh, it's a little bit. You, you, sounds you sound like you're, like you're underwater. Sounds like you're underwater a bit, but uh, uh, we'll try to, if you want to move to another spot, we'll, we'll try to hang in there until you get there. Uh, let me ask you this in, in terms of, decisions that have to be made with this club and a lot of that obviously uh surrounds the pitching staff now you're going to go in oh he's gone he's gone okay, good enough. <laughs> i'll call him back all right well, well you, you you look at what they have to do between now and the time spring training rolls around in sarasota you, you need to obviously fix the pitching staff uh and and you're going into it knowing that you're going to have uh bundy is probably your number one gosman number two and then you're going to try to piece it together from there. Now, you, we, we saw Chris Tillman give up the home run last night to Logan Morrison. What happens with him in the offseason in terms of his shoulder, in terms of whether or not they feel like he can pitch next year? Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where the Orioles uh, need to make some decisions. Miguel Castro gets the start today. Uh, a lot of people have been clamoring for him over the last uh, second half of the year. Uh, that that they really need to take a good, long, serious look at him as part of this rotation next year. We do have Glenn Clark back on the phone. Glenn, we were just saying a lot of decisions for for Dan and Buck to make this offseason, basically surrounding the pitching staff. You know, you got Gosman and Bundy at the top of the rotation. Uh, we're going to get a look at a guy today against the Rays who a lot of people have been clamoring about being in that rotation next year, and that's Miguel Castro. But they have a decision to make on Chris Tillman. Do you bring him back on a contract of very low money for one year and load it with incentives? Can they figure out what's going on with his shoulder? Can Chris figure it out? Uh, there's a lot of questions to be answered uh, between now uh, and the time, number one, the winter meetings start, but then before spring training starts next year. And I don't think... Glenn? We don't have yeah, plans. Yeah, I'm sorry, pal. I apologize. No, that's all right. Cutting in and out. Yeah, every, you know, you're right. There's a thousand questions to be answered. I, I, I am really confused by all the various reports, Craig, about whether or not this team is suddenly going to be willing to consider spending money on pitching, right? Like, there's, there's, there's the, the, the I, I, I think they're going to do something, right? Like, I don't think they're just going to say, Bundy, Gosman. Tillman on a flyer, Castro, and insert other reclamation project here. Like, I can't believe that would be the five that <laughs> well, they come back well, with. Why, year, why would they go thing. off script? <laughs> well, I know, I hear you. And that's the part. Like, the problem is, I can't believe it. But then on the flip side, you're right. Like, 
how could you possibly not believe that that's what they do? Mm-hmm. Um, I got to imagine that they're going to spend something on pitching. But then there's the other argument, and we're going to be having this argument throughout the offseason. As you mentioned in the winter meetings, I see we're going to have this argument about if you're spending any money at all, shouldn't you be spending that money to try to bring back Manny Machado? And that's the flip side argument, which is so I'm talking to Ross Grimsley the other day. He says, hey, they need two pitchers. Well, we know what the cost of two pitchers is, of two actual pitchers, of two guys that aren't Wade Miley. You know what that money is if you want to go get two pitchers. Shouldn't, if you're going to spend that money on anything, shouldn't you say, we need to earmark that money for Manny Machado and for nothing else, right? Well, that's, so, that's the, the other part of that argument, though, is we have Manny Machado now, okay? And right. We're, and without any kind of pitching, Manny, Machado, Manny, right. Machado's, 30, Manny Machado's 33 <clears throat> home runs and 100 RBI isn't really going to matter. If you don't have somebody to right. get, you, get you through the fifth you're or sixth inning. Heist, you're a thousand percent right. So what you'll be doing is, so, and this is, God, this is getting really macro, right? So if, if you say that, if you say, hey, we're not going to spend that money on pitching because we want to earmark it for Manny Machado, now you've got to trust that at some point you're actually going to develop some pitchers, which is the one area that's been even worse than actually spending money on pitching. It has, but, is, you know, I was talking to Molesky earlier and all of a sudden, a farm system that was just belittled by almost everybody on the national scene, all of a sudden is starting to make a little bit of a jump to the middle of the pack. And I think a lot of it's because of what we've seen come up here to help. Uh, you, okay. you know, whether it's right. a, whether it's right. an Austin Hayes or, or or you know a Chance Cisco Santander. Uh, I do like what I've seen out of Jimmy Yacobonis so far. I mean, that's just me. I mean, is he inconsistent? Okay. Is he inconsistent? Yes. But if you're not going to go out there and get an Alex Cobb or something like that, I don't mind trying to develop kids, even if it's at this level. Well, and I think there's still reason to have some hope in Hunter Harvey, too, yeah. right? Like, here's a guy that I think we had completely written off, but then when he came back from the surgery this year, albeit at a very low level, he looked outstanding. I mean, mm-hmm. he was dominant when he returned from the surgery this year. So I do think there's still some reasons to have some hope in Hunter Harvey, and given where he is timeline-wise, I don't think it's impossible that he couldn't be a guy that ends up making a quick jump if he performs next season and he's healthy. All that being said, I, I do think it's a huge internal question, and, and Craig, we're going to keep coming back to the same thing. I, I don't know who's making the long-term decisions because I don't know who's around after next year. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if Dan Duquette is considering 2020 or 2021. When I don't know if Dan Duquette's going to be here in 2020 or 2021. Mm-hmm. So uh, this to me is one of the more fascinating off seasons that the Orioles will have had in some time because there's so much unknown at the top of the organization as far as what they're going to do that all of these individual questions that we have. If Dan Duquette doesn't know that he's going to be around past next season. Is it impossible that he doesn't just say, the hell with it, next year's the year, and based on the way they handle the trade deadline, you could certainly argue that that's what they're thinking about. Next year's the year. I don't care about anything beyond next year. If Manny Machado walks after next year, don't care. This is the year. I'll spend some money on pitching. We'll give it one more go, and then that's it for me because I'm going to be gone anyway. And I'm not saying that's definitely the case, but we don't know that that's not the case. Well, and we don't know, so that, I, we don't know if that's not the case with, with Buck as well. Exactly, exactly. I, I, I don't know who's going to be running the team in 2019. So I, this is a fascinating offseason for me because I think a lot of us are, are thinking about what could be coming down the pipe. And 
if you're not going to win next year, do you have to try to trade Manny Machado this offseason? And obviously, uh, you know, John Heyman reported that the Orioles have no plans to do that. Right. Um, but I, I, I just don't know what to make of any of it. Nobody. Here's one report I've never seen from anyone, Craig. Uh, the Orioles are leaning towards bringing Dan Duquette back after two. I haven't seen anything. I've seen nothing no. that suggests that we know anything about the future of Duquette or Showalter. Absolutely not. And uh, it would be a shame because. Whether you wanna whether you wanna really be aggravated and pissed off about this year, the one thing you can say is that after fourteen straight losing seasons, the success yeah. of this club over the last six years has been mainly because of Dan and Buck Showalter. Correct. And I get it, they don't get along. Like the, I understand the whole deal and, and the power struggle and will one of them win out or you know, can the two of them work together? There's a whole lot of stuff that's there and I'm understanding of that. But you just hate the thought that you know we're a year away now, man. Like we're a year out yeah. from some D Day, if you will, and we just don't we don't know. And that's that's really tough. And I I say it's really tough for us. We don't we're not really all that vested in it. I can't imagine how difficult it is within the organization. Well, we're we're not invested in it like that, but we're invested in it as fans and as broadcasters right, right. and and right. I, I don't care what anybody says, any broadcaster or anybody that covers this team that tells you that they don't want their hometown team or the team that they cover hmm. to do well, they're lying to you. I'm sorry. They're well, just yeah, it, it, flat even, out even lying. If you're not, yeah, even if you're not a fan of the team, even if you didn't grow up with it, like, you know, and that's, I think, what you're referring to, Craig. Like, obviously, you and I are from here, and so the, we're vested in this for a long time. But even if you didn't grow up here, it's a way more pleasant experience to cover a team that's winning and succeeding and is doing things the right way. Like, it is so much more pleasant, as you know, from having covered a number of years of losing, yes. it is entirely more pleasant to cover that team than it is to cover the team that's falling apart. Well, that's why that's why I cover the team down the road as well. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, let me By ask the way, you, I, I, am I nuts for thinking this is the year for them? I don't know why it is. I, I don't think it, I don't think it is, and I think this is at least to get them through the first round. And I'll tell you why. Yeah, I was, we're, and we're going to hear from Bob Carpenter a little later on in the show. Uh, about this very same thing, and I said to him, I said, I feel good about this because there is a healthy Steven Strasburg in this rotation heading into the playoffs, yeah. and that really hasn't been the case before, whether it be by him shutting down, being shut down or whether it was because he got hurt and couldn't be a part of the postseason. This year he's healthy. You throw Steven Strasburg behind Max Scherzer and in front of Gio Gonzalez, that's a pretty formidable three, not to mention with what they did to the bullpen at the trade deadline by getting Kinsler, Ryan Matson, and also Sean Doolittle. Yeah, I look, that was the biggest question that you had about that. And last last night fans. last night was the first time they had the actual lineup, minus Adam Eaton, obviously, who's gone for the year. Right. Since right. since back in May. And then what happens? Uh you got you, you get Worth homers, Zimmerman homers twice last night, two doubles, four RBI. He's got 36 on the year. He's back up over 300 uh, with two days left in the season. Uh, I mean, what a rem- if he's not comeback player of the year, there's got to be an investigation somewhere. <laughs> right, right. No, I'm with you. And, I, look, I know the, the, the Cubs have played really well of late. Um, the, if the Diamondbacks win the wild card game, they've been unbelievable of late. But I, just looking at how that team managed to stay afloat through everything, mm-hmm. like everything that team has been through this season, oh, my God, the number of injuries. 
And I get that it helps that there's nobody else in the NL East that's particularly good, right? Like they were right, right. It's a, it's a bad, it's a point. terrible division other than the Nationals. You're right. Right. But the way that none of that doomed them, the way that that group held together and got contributions, Edwin Jackson was garbage, right? Like he was the Orioles' trash yeah. at the beginning of the season. And he managed to keep them afloat, right? Like the way that they, I just, something about it this year, it feels differently to me. I'm sure there are folks in D.C. that are like, you're an idiot. We've seen this movie before. We know how it ends, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But there's just something about the way that they play and the way that they've held together through everything but it, that right now I'd pick them to go to the World Series. To me, though, it's a matter of how it happened. Like you mentioned Edwin Jackson. He steps in when Joe Ross is lost for the season. Who you know He has to have arm surgery or elbow surgery. And uh, you, you have Adam Eaton go down. Well, then Michael Taylor comes up. And all of a sudden, Michael Taylor finds his stroke. And we know what kind of defensive center fielder he is. But then when he goes down, it winds up being Howie Kendrick brought over here. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, Bryce, no Har- Bryce Harper goes down. It's Alejandro Diaz or, or, or Go- it's Brian Goodwin. Right. So, so when, when, ter- when uh, you know, uh, Michael A. Taylor goes down, it's Goodwin. And now we're waiting to see whether or not he is going to be healthy enough to come back and, and maybe be a part of this roster in the postseason in some way, shape, or form. I kind of doubt it at this point, but he's really on the mend down in, uh, in West Palm Beach uh, getting his work in and trying to make a comeback. Uh, but you, you, look okay. at, you just look at everything. I mean, who would have thought you'd have gotten the kind of play when Trey Turner went down out of Wilmer, no Def- out of Wilmer Defoe? No doubt, man. I mean, no doubt. Crazy. And I, it just makes me think that they have so much. And, look, I get it. It comes down to, you know, the Dodgers, if you face the Dodgers, are going to be able to throw out uh, Clayton Kershaw and Hugh Darvish, right? Like, well, this, you know what? But you know, I'm, not, I'm not sold on Hugh Darvish for, for them in the postseason. I'm just not sold. There's too many ups and downs with him. That's fair. That's fair. You're right about that. And he's never been in – well, was he part of those Rangers? He wasn't part of those Rangers teams. No. That, that made the world – no, right? No, yeah, so he hasn't been in this spot before. Um, I hear you. I hear you. I, I just I get the postseason does tend to come down to we've got a couple of really good pitchers. You got a couple of really good pitchers. That's what it ultimately is going to end up being. But man, I just I like so much about what the Nationals are doing. And I, again, I don't love anyone else outside of maybe. Boy, the Diamondbacks are a really surprising good team, right? Like, and they gave and them. they gave the Dodgers absolute fits in the month of no September. No doubt. So I, so that's a series where I look at it and say. Yeah, that could be that if the if the Diamondbacks beat the Dodgers, <laughs> that could be scary in the NLC. Well, and that was now, the Diamondbacks first had to win a, a play, you know, a wild card. And that was one of the things where when when Dusty was talking about, well, maybe we want to get best record, you know, that's still out there for us to get. I was thinking, no, you don't, Man. Diamondbacks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, I, look, I don't know that you want to face the Cubs necessarily, right? Like, as the Cubs, we we know what they're capable of, but. The way that those two teams have played, yeah, I'm with you. I'd probably rather face the Cubs than the Diamondbacks. I, you the know, they're, the, right they're the defending world champs, but I, and I know what they're capable of offensively, but from a pitching standpoint, I'll take the Nationals yeah. over the Cubs right now. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Heisty. I, you know, like, who knows, right? Like, it could just be that they, that they turn it on again. I don't know, but I'm, I, would, I would probably tend to agree, and I feel good about the Nationals' chances in the end. You know what the great thing about, about, you know what the great thing about Stan not being here is? What's that? And it's Bonds that gets a chance to talk every now and then. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, I know you probably won't like this question, but 
I know how much of a big fan you are of London games, and you must have been a real big fan of what happened last Sunday with the Ravens and Jaguars. I think, I think, I think, I think, I think Glenn's going to take a knee on this question. <laughs> yeah, correct. My God, man, I, I hate London. I hate everything about it. Play, I don't really hate it. Play the game at one o'clock. <laughs> Sorry, I don't. I know there's a baseball show. I don't yeah. really want to get into that. Well, that's all right. Yeah, it, you know, but kick awful. kick off over there. If it was a one o'clock game, kick off over there would have been six in the evening. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. Play the game then. Right. Just play it then. Especially uh, with how that game ended up. <laughs> God, well, yeah. I mean, it was a disaster. I, look, the Ravens have far bigger problems than just playing in London. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that wasn't like they can they can try to make it seem like what happened last week was all about the fact that the game was in London. They got other issues like. Not having Marshall Yonda is a disaster it's for them. They absolutely. are a disaster without Marshall. Hmm. And and Williams is going to be out again tomorrow for the second again, straight yep. week. That's a bad omen if you're yeah. facing well, the Pittsburgh Steelers. All you got to do is, is go up against Le'Veon Bell, right? Like, right. No problem. No problem at all. Yeah. Uh, what do you yeah, real quick so before real quick before we let you go? Uh, since we're off the topic of baseball, real quick, what do you think the reaction is going to be tomorrow at M and T Bank Stadium? Now the Steelers say. They'll lock arms and stand the whole time for the anthem. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what the Ravens do. And number two, it's going to be interesting to see, number one, how many fans show up. Number two, what the reaction is going to be. Look, I've been monitoring the secondary ticket market all week. It does not look like there's been any sort of dump of tickets. Now, I'll say this. If this was Ravens-Browns tomorrow, mm-hmm. I think it'd be a little bit different. I think there are a lot of people that maybe wanted to, to like have a boycott or wanted to make a statement or whatever that then looked and said, yeah, but it's Raven Steelers week. I don't think I can do it now this week. You know what I mean? I think there was a lot of that that happened. I think it's going to be – look, there's going to be some empty seats, but as a dirty secret, and you know this, Craig, from covering games, is that there are empty seats at every game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there, there's just a lot of people that have disposable income that wake up one morning and sort of say, eh, I don't feel like coming. <laughs> so, Unfortunately, we're not one of them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, God, could you imagine how much how nice that must be yeah. to have something that valuable and just decide, nah, I'm good. I, yeah, I can pass exactly. today. I'm going to go watch the kids play soccer instead. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, there's no score. There's no scoring in that either. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I think there'll be some empty seats, but I don't think it will be you know a, a particularly more noticeable than it is typically. Um, I, look, I do think it has a lot to do with what what they end up doing. You know what I mean? I I don't know. The Ravens aren't saying what it is that they're going to do. I I'm not. I, you know, I what if if it's twenty players kneeling again the way that it was last week in Jacksonville? I do think it would be a, a very negative reaction from the the crowd. But I think that we all know that the reason why that happened last week is because the players were really pissed off about what Donald Trump had said, mm-hmm. and so I don't. My gut is that's not what they're going to do again this week. That, you know, while while yes, that there's been continued back and forth between, you know, him and the NFL players. You know, he has not doubled down on the rhetoric. He has not said called them son of a bitches again. Right. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna probably be more willing to do something that's not not quite as drastic as having 20 players take a knee on the sideline, but. We'll see. Look, I mean, there's going to be, no matter what, there's going to be people that are going to be unhappy about it on either side because there's people that, you know, are unhappy on, on the one side. They feel like the players should be kneeling or whatever. I, it's, a, it's so goofy to me, man. The whole thing is so goofy to me because I'm, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. I personally try, I stand up for the anthem, right? Like, that's me personally. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not overly offended by other things, so it's a weird topic for me because I'm, I'm I do my best to see both sides. 
I'm not, I don't try to cast stones. I certainly understand why people are bothered by it. I certainly understand why they're upset about it. I think it's not going to be quite that bad, and it feels like it's a story that will probably have largely gone away by next week. But as I say that, all it takes is the, the dude that's, that's running the country to send out one inflammatory tweet, and now everybody's got their panties in a bunch again, and, and, and here we go for another seven days. But could, I think could very well be. Part, yeah, I think this story tends to die down by next week. All right, Glenn Clark of Glenn Clark Radio, thanks so much for joining us here on the Bat Around. Thanks, and, Glenn. Uh, hey, I got to I gotta get in here with you 10 to 12 one day. Yeah, tell me, give me a day. Give me a day that you want to come in and hang out. I miss you, buddy. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Glenn. When we, right, come, when we come back on the bat around, as we said, it's a big time for the Nationals down in Washington. We're going to hear from Gio Gonzalez. Uh, when we come back, uh, he'll get the start tomorrow, his last one of the year before the postseason gets going. That and a lot more on the bat around here with Bonza Tufa. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square introduces the best 2017 breakfast on the go. The all-new Chick-fil-A Hash Brown Scramble. Fresh eggs, hash browns, cheddar and Monterey Jack cheeses, plus either sausage or Chick-fil-A nuggets, all served hot and wrapped in a warm, scrumptious flour tortilla served with a side of dipping salsa. Want it to be ready when you get there? Download the Chick-fil-A app and order your Hash Brown Scramble in advance. Stop by Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard in White Marsh today and tell Steve I sent you. The Paracel Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call 1-877-617-8839. Call now. members of the GCR community, they're telling me about their experiences at Full Circle Tire and Auto. Steve Barry, why did you take your vehicle to Full Circle? I saw a uh, service plate on the dashboard, and I called the dealership, and they told me it was going to be about $200 to do it, and I heard the commercial for Full Circle Tire and Auto, and I called them, and they told me that they could save me even more money than I thought. They were about $100 less, and it turns out that they didn't have the correct fluid for the car, so they actually went to the dealership and got it, and didn't charge me any extra for it. And that's not all they did for you, was it? About a week and a half later, they sent a personalized thank you card from Amy and the team. They signed it, and it's actually really nice, something I've never experienced before. That's the difference at Full Circle Tire and Auto, 410-676-2277. That's 410-676-CARS, 1304 Governor's Court, Unit 110 in Abingdon, and FullCircleTireAndAuto.com. KZ here, Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show with Sarita, the NFL chick. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Every Sunday, 10 to noon, we talk about mostly football. We, We talk about the college game. We talk about the NFL game. We will throw in sports, local sports, some Orioles, some Terps. If there's an important story around the country, we'll throw that in. But our heart, our soul, of course, is football. Baltimore sports. Baltimore sports. In general. Do a little bit DC. We got to give them some love sometimes. Uh, I guess. Sundays, <laughs> Sundays, ten to noon. Press box, fantasy reality football show. Many people know about Goodwill through donating clothes and furniture. Did you know that Goodwill also accepts vehicle donations? Goodwill accepts vehicles in running or non-running condition. When you donate a vehicle, you can steer clear of all of the headaches associated with trying to sell a car yourself. It's fast, simple, and reliable, and you also receive a tax deduction. When you donate to Goodwill, know that your donation is being used to help someone find a job. Last year, we provided job training services to people in need of assistance 
violence because of physical, mental, or other social barriers and placed over 3,000 into jobs. To donate your vehicle to Goodwill, visit givethegoodwill.org or call 866-492-2770. That's givethegoodwill.org, 866-492-2770. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the contrast in College Park as Maryland football coach DJ Durkin overhauls the Terps culture in his second season at the helm. Plus, Stan the Fan Charles makes suggestions on how to fix the Orioles pitching rotation for 2018. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Welcome back to the Bat Around. Craig Heist in for Stan the Fan this weekend, and uh, we're here with Gio Gonzalez of the Washington Nationals. Your final start of the regular season comes up tomorrow. What do you hope to accomplish, and what's been really a pretty good season for you? Uh, I just want to get a, a rhythm and trying to find my arm slot and pretty much try to attack the strike zone, get some innings in, get some work in, see some of the hitters be aggressive up there, you know, stuff to learn from, and you know, I mean, it's not, we're not overlooking the Pirates, that's for sure. We'll definitely have to do our job, not only with them, but I think it's, it's pretty much it's just try to get a, get a rhythm, get something going, and, um, and then get ready for, for the postseason. And you find out earlier this week that you will be playing the Cubs in, the, in round one. Uh, it starts here at Nats Park on Friday. So in, in terms of playing the Cubs, uh, and, and getting back to the postseason, number one, I guess it never gets old. Number two, what does this team have to do to get past the first round this time? I mean, I don't know what we have to do, but I do know that we what we have that could help us get to the first round, past the first round. You know, we have a young guy named Steven Strasburg that that will be ready for this postseason, and um, we have some young guys here that can help carry the load a little bit. And then we have some guys out of the bullpen. That uh, have experienced this and, and been a part of it, so um, hopefully it's just uh, one game at a time. We have the right guy starting the first game, and we have the the right guy starting the second game. So I think that's that's a huge thing. I, if we're looking that far ahead, what does it say about this starting rotation? Everybody in double digit wins. Max obviously again is in the talk about you know Cy Young Award, but what does it what does it say about this rotation and what you guys have been able to accomplish this year in the regular season? It says a lot. I mean, it says a lot, too, you know, speaking for Tanner at this point, you know, what a season he's having, second half of the season he's having, what a time to turn it on, too, you know. This is when you want him. It's, it's the second half. It's, it's, uh, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, and that's for sure. That's something we've appreciated from Tanner. The guy, every time he goes out there, he pitches. It's it's A-plus all the time. You know, it's, he's a fun guy to watch, and and enjoy. Same thing with Edwin. Edwin has been huge for us, and AJ Cole had a big game for us in Philly. So I think that as far as our pitching staff, we're excited to see what we have. You know what we have. Um, the thing is, is now we have to see what happens when it, when the time comes. I know Dusty's got some interesting decisions to make between now and the end of the year. But when you think about J Dub missing the time he did, you know whether or not uh, Zim needed to be spelled a little bit by Adam Lynn at first base. Uh, same thing with Bryce going out for a little more than a month. The guys that have come off the bench and stepped into regular roles, Defoe at shortstop for Trey Turner. I mean, what does that say about depth? That says a lot. I mean, it says there's there's a lot more holes that were filled this year than we were in the previous years. You know, Adam Lynn has been incredible for us. Um, 
uh, Wilmer Defoe, you know, what a, what a job he did for another stud player as Trey Turner. And you have um, also Brian Goodwin, who's, <laughs> who, believe it or not, was monster, especially when Mikey T was hurt for a while and, and then Goody and all that. But those guys were, were picking up slack when we needed as much help as we can. So um, a lot of the lineup, and not only that, I mean, even their younger guys, if you want to go as far back as, you know, Sanchez and, and Severino and all that, I mean, you know, now we got Victor. These are guys that we we've appreciated seeing coming up here and, and playing the game the right way. You know, um, it's 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 pretty impressive to see these guys how they approach this game and how they want to. They, they they look like they're starving right now. They want to eat. You're playing the defending world champs in the first round. What problems or, or concerns do they pre- you know present to you guys? I mean, obviously, Arian and Lester, number one and two in the rotation. That has to be the first thing. But that, that lineup is pretty potent, too. Uh, yes, I mean, we have the same potent, potent yeah. lineup. So it's like uh, they have to get the same medicine they want to dish out. We're going to give it back. So I don't think it's it's us thinking like that. I think we have, I mean, you could say Arietta and Lester, yeah, they're one of the top players in, in the National League, but we also have Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg. So I think it matches up as far as pitching. As in the lineup, I think we have just as powerful of a lineup they have. So, um, again, this is just a, a game that we have to prepare ourselves and and just um, – Take it one pitch at a time, one batter at a time. On the human aspect of it, congratulations, number one, because you had your son this year. Yeah, my boy, uh, he's a big boy, Gabriel, definitely. uh, He's getting bigger every time we talk right now. (laughs) The hurricane. You're from Miami. You you, you know a lot of people down there, obviously. I know your heart goes out to those folks. And number one, how's your family doing? And number two, what do you see is being done to help the folks down there restore things to normal? I have I have noticed. I mean, not only it's not only Miami. There was Houston. There was um, Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. Yeah. There was uh, also the the thing that happened in Mexico. You know, Florida got hit with some bad some bad weather down there too. But you know, talking to my family, seeing around sports, how everybody's lending a helping hand. You know, Beltran's being a part of it. Even Javier Baez, you know, being a big part of that and. You know, it's it's tough, you know, to stay focused and do your job here. And then also, you know, you have friends and family back home and, and friends and family in, in Puerto Rico and stuff like that to focus on what you have to do. It's, it, it's not easy. It's it's a big distraction when it comes to, you know, you care for what's going on. I mean, there's baseball is not important when you start looking at it like that. You know, there's more important things that are going on right now in the world with with what's going on in Puerto Rico and Harvey and all that stuff, that it, it, it kind of destroyed a lot of places. It kind of had to be a tough series for you guys to play because that was right in the middle of when they were evacuating everybody down there. Yeah, it was in Houston when we left, and it was in Miami when we left. So for us, it was it was just uh, it was devastating to know that every time we left, it was just hurricane coming. And you know what Harvey did, and with you know you have Anthony Rendon, and you have. You know, Matt Albers with family and, and friends down there. It's always, you know, there's, there's like I said, there's more to baseball right there at that point when you start thinking about it. It's like, what do you, what help do you need? You know, we all become humbled easily and quickly. You know, what do you need from us? What do we can we do? You know, MLB backed up and helped out a little bit with what they were doing, and and the same thing went with um, with Florida. You know, we some canned goods and everything that was all sent there. Money was sent over there, so you know, there's. It's always good to see when you see players take their time 
and 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 want to speak out when it comes to stuff like that. When it comes to helping out with with food donations, anything like that. So you you appreciate it because at that point you're not thinking about baseball no more. You're thinking about you know what a talent did or what an appreciation you have for certain people that aside from baseball, who they are as a person. Gio Gonzalez, last start tomorrow, playoffs coming up next week. Thanks for being with us on the Bataround. Oh, great. Thanks for having me. All right, Gio Gonzalez, and uh, he wanted to play some music. <laughs> anyway. My bad. That's all right. Gio Gonzalez of the Nationals, and he'll get his last start tomorrow. And uh, the, uh, you know, last game of the regular season against the Pirates at uh, – Nats Park, uh, so uh, you know the Nationals uh, and, and Gio has got a chance to do some pretty decent things the rest of the way, uh, especially help this team uh, in the playoffs, get past the first round, and uh, as you can uh, see, the uh, you look at the record this year, fifteen and eight, and uh, an ERA of two point seven five. He's been pretty much on spot. All year long, he's three and a third innings away from compiling a 200-inning season. And for Gio, that's impressive because a lot of the uh, times over the last, you know, two, three years, it's been a situation in where, uh, you know, when Gio has struggled, it's hard to get him past five innings with the pitch count and that kind of thing. Uh, so, again... 196 and two-thirds innings, and right now he's on a pace uh, maybe to get his 16th win. And if he does that, that's that's his best year as a national since the first year he was here, and that was, uh, you know, when he came over from the Oakland A's and, and he won 21 games that year. So uh, it's, it's a nice thing to have Gio back on track, and when you stop to consider you put him in the rotation with – uh, you know, Scherzer, who will start game one against the Cubs next Friday. He'll follow that up with Steven Strasburg. Uh, that's a pretty formidable one, two, three to go up against what the Cubs are going to throw at you. So, again, Gio Gonzalez doing some good things. It's uh, nice to see that his family is getting things back together uh, after the hurricane down in South Florida. We're going to go out to the phone lines now and uh, hook up with our buddy Richard Justice of MLB.com. And, uh, Richard, good morning. How are you? Hello, Richard. Hey, hi, Steve. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, I got a question for you right off the bat because I want to get to a couple of different topics with you. Uh, number one, uh, this Yankee Red Sox thing all of a sudden has gotten very interesting because it's a two-game lead for the Red Sox. They're playing the Astros. Yankees are playing the Blue Jays. They both start games at 105 this afternoon. And all of a sudden, I think uh, – the nerves are starting to get to Boston just a little bit at this point. Yeah, there's all kinds of warning signs for them, you know. Chris, I mean, they don't have one starting pitcher that's going really well right now, and that can kill you. You know, I mean, they got a good bullpen, but they can't get to the bullpen, and they got some guys banged up. And, you know, in this weird game that sometimes when you need to win one the last week of the season, it's the hardest thing in the world to do. And the Yankees are playing with house money, and their pitching is, is really – I mean – I, yesterday at this time, Craig, they didn't even know if Tanaka was going to be in the postseason rotation. And they looked at the way he pitched yesterday and said, holy crap, if this is what we're <laughs> going to get in the postseason, he may be our guy right behind Severino. And was it so, 15 right, strikeouts, right? 
Yeah, it was. Well, he had that splitter back. You yeah. Know, and you, because of his elbow, you don't know. So, yeah, so they both played again today at noon. It kind of puts the Astros in an awkward position because I don't think they were going to, they were going to play their, their guys tomorrow. But if you have a division championship on the line, you sort of, in the spirit of the thing, you have to, you have to play the game to win. All right, let's get to the uh, drama part of this. If for some reason the Red Sox drop two and the Yankees win two over the next two games, that's going to set up a playoff for the division title at Yankee Stadium because the Yankees won the season series from the Red Sox. And if that happens with the wild card on Tuesday, uh, from a pitching standpoint, that makes it real difficult for teams to set up who they want to start. Well, I mean, Severino's been told you would pitch on Monday uh-huh. uh, if you don't pitch on Tuesday. They're not going to lose, I don't think, with him on the mound. And so, yeah, just, you know, it's fun for us to watch, uh, but it's chaotic. And you know how it is in Boston. When things, <laughs> start, when things start to roll downhill, they roll downhill at a record pace, and it's fire this guy, trade this guy. I mean, it, it's a tough – it's the most pressure – I guess Boston and St. Louis are the places where I think the players and manager feel the negative vibes more strongly than any place else. Yeah. What about John Farrell? If for some reason this does go south, can you see him surviving this? Um, well, I would, I would say yes, because I think Dave Dombrowski is a real independent thinker. And, and I think the more people are saying, screaming, get rid of the guy, it's his fault, all of that. I think Dave Dave has the ability. He's been doing this so long to look at it and say, "Okay, is this, is this it?" Now, there, you know, there are things that worry you about the team. There were moments during the year where they looked a little sloppy, but that's going to happen. The bottom line is they expected to win because of Sale, Porcello, and Price, and now David's missed most of the year, and Porcello hasn't been very good, and so it it's now Sale and Eduardo Rodriguez who didn't pitch well his last time out. And basically, Drew Pomerantz has saved their butts. They don't hit any home runs, so it's a little bit hard harder for them to, to score runs. They're far, far from a perfect team. They, you know, they need Hanley Ramirez to be really good in the postseason. Yeah, and they they've got Pomerantz going today against Stroman. So maybe the Red Sox do kind of get it done today. So Pomerantz has pitched pretty well for them. Yeah, well, no, today the Astros are going to throw Lance McCullers. Oh, okay. He's sort of doing, yeah, he's doing a tryout to see where he's at in terms of the postseason roster, rotation, whatever. All right, now, the the two local teams here, let's get the bad news out of the way first. Orioles have just stumbled through the month of September. They've lost 17-21. to 21. They're finishing up in Tampa. Uh, you know, pitching obviously is the issue how do they get this fixed in the off season? If you're Buck Showalter and Dan Duquette, I think you got to take a hard look at where they're at in the rotation. What you can count on going forward. I mean, I, I don't know how O's fans feel. I feel pretty good about Bundy and Gosman. Um, you know, I, get, I I don't know about Tillman. And then after that. Um, what do you have? What is Hunter Harvey? Well, Hunter Harvey, Hunter Harvey's come back, and he's he's looked a little. He's looked very good in the in the times that he's thrown. But I'm not so sure going into next year you can really count on him from the outset 
Uh, they're going right. to look at, they're gonna get a look again at Miguel Castro today, who they really like and has saved their bacon quite right. a bit of times uh, throughout the second half of the year with, <clears throat> excuse me, spelling uh, starters that didn't make it past the fourth inning. Yeah, and, you know, you have all those guys. Uh, how do you say the guy's name? Yanoa? Yeah, Gabrielle Yanoa. Uh, you, yeah, it's it's pronounced differently than, than – and then Aquino. They have a lot of guys that you're interested in. But, you know, they may need to go out and get a couple of guys like Miley, like a, a Doug Fister type, that can go out there and give you six or seven innings. They've had too many games where it's like the starter was a no-show and it puts you in such a hole – you know, let's face it, their everyday lineup's getting a little older. This is it for J.J., right? This is it for J.J. You would have to think so. There's a big option there that the club's not so going to pick Machado that up. Play, where does Machado play next season? Well, they've got Beckham at shortstop for right now, so I'm assuming uh, Machado would still be at third base. Yeah. And, you know, the window – so the, you got, I did a story for the World Series program on winning during when it's your window. But your window does start to close at a certain point. And – and their window, their window is Britain and Tillman and Adam Jones, and et cetera. And they've got some contracts now that are big contracts. They just, I think, I think the the DNA of the franchise is to try to hold it together and to try to just do as much as you can with the pitching. We're talking to Richard Justice of MLB.com and uh, Richard uh, the Nationals. Need to get past the first round of the playoffs. They'll take on the, they'll take on the Cubs. Uh, it's been three times where they have failed to do that uh, in terms of getting past the first round. But I think this year is probably the best year of any of them for that to happen because of a healthy Steven Strasburg. You're right. You're right. Nobody nobody in the game is pitching better than him right now. They're they look like the best team in the National League. You got to go do it though. They look better than the Cubs both lineup wise rotation wise and bullpen wise they're they look better but you have to go do it and we all understand that and if they lose game one it's oh here we go again mm. and all of that they you know it would be a reward for a franchise that's been so well run mike rizzo has done such a fantastic job and their window is harper and so right. their window is not going to be open forever although you know they have all kinds they have they they've done a great i mean mike rizzo is a great baseball man so but it's not going to cl- it's not going to close completely as long as you can run Strasburg and Scherzer out there, but um, they're going to be favored. But the, you know you got to go do it. Well, you have uh, Scherzer to start Game One, Strasburg in two. I'm assuming Geo in three, and there's even yeah. Tan- Tanner Roark waiting in the wings. So from that right. standpoint, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. From that standpoint, yeah, you yeah, got to yeah. like their chances. Yeah, exactly. And you say, okay, now who are the Cubs going to pitch? I think they're going to line up Arietta in game one. Well, he's had a bumpy year. I think uh, it looks like Lackey's going to be the odd man out in that. You know, it's, that's the way it is. Quintana's had games where he looked like the best pitcher in baseball, and he's had other games where he hasn't looked average. They got a lot of talent, Craig. They yeah. are, the Cubs are really talented. Those kids that have, you know, they've had bumps in the road all year, which is what kids do. But when you have Baez and Schwarber and Contreras and that center fielder, they're really good. And but you know, do they have another October run in them? That's what we're going to see. Well, now we know Dusty Baker has never won a World Series. He's been to the postseason a ton of times. Uh, Joe Madden, uh, we we know everything about Joe from not just his time with the Cubs, but from being here in the American League East with the Rays. 
can a manager make that much of a difference in the postseason? Yeah, and I think it's with these two guys, it's just two veteran guys that have so much. Their trademark is their composure and their ability to make guys believe in themselves. I mean, they're truly, if you like, we're going to outline what a leader of men looks like, it would be these two guys. I think you and I have talked before, Dusty was perfect for that franchise in that he brought a calmness to it. And when you've got guys like, we got a guy like Harper, like Worth, calmness sort of offsets the energy in the dugout and, and, and provides a little bit of balance and composure. And it, it's a good thing. And the fact is, Dusty's, <laughs> Dusty's one of the, you know, him, one of the great people you'll ever meet, you root for him. But everything I said, you could say that about Joe Madden, too. Well, one other question before we let you go, and uh, I appreciate you being with us today. Uh, and that has to do with the, the Miami Marlins. Now, Derek Jeter, the new ownership group, uh, reports are today that they fired two more, uh, four more people. And I, wow. I, re- I read something this morning that said, uh, or actually I heard it on the way in, and that's that they're, they're almost 100% sure that they're going to trade John Carlos Stanton. And if that happens, you're, you're looking at a fan base that with new ownership all of a sudden has a lot of hope and promise. And then if they go in there and do that, I don't think there's that much hope and promise anymore. And I don't like, I think institutional knowledge is important. You know, the one thing when Peter Angelos bought the Orioles, um, he understood the value of people like Phillips. So that they brought, you know, I, I don't like just coming in and cleaning their house before you gauge what people can do. Right. On the other hand, it's their franchise and it's their dollars and cents. And it is a lot of money. And maybe, you they have to start they're going to have to start at ground zero uh, on from a credibility standpoint anyway Derek Jeter gives them gives them some equity but not a lot you got to do it you know and the other thing is what will what can baseball be into can it be two million can it be two and a half million it'd be a cold tough decision to trade Stanton but um the fans in St. Louis would be pretty excited about that. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> what a year he's having. He hit two more last oh night. Oh, my God. Him and Judge. It is yeah. just amazing to watch those two guys, to watch them play. And, you you know, like, they're hitting some of their the, – some of what they're doing are hitting pitchers' pitches. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that very often. Right. Uh, you know, there's a big, uh, a big debate. You got uh, – Judge with the home runs, and, and yeah, he struggled after the All-Star break for a bit. But, boy, the month of September has been really good, and everybody's talking about Judge and, and, and Jose Altuve. But I think you, you, have to, you have to think Jose Altuve is your American League MVP. It's never been more muddled than now. Like, if I'm voting, I think I'm voting for Altuve and Rendon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can make a case. I mean, this kid, Jose Ramirez, is unbelievable. You know, in the National League, Chris Bryant has had, a, has had a very underrated year. So there's like four or five guys in, in each league uh, that you could make a case for. And I don't know how you feel about this, but I think the fact that Rendon is so quiet, he's the anti-Bryce Harper. Right. I'm not sure that doesn't hurt him because people don't know, and I, you know, I'm biased, I'm a friend of his, but I don't think people know what a great player this is. And, and he's just a guy that wants to go play. He's not going to get any advertising campaigns. And the thing is, and you know this, is he is one of the smartest people around. Yep. You know, he's a Houston kid, played at Rice University. So I bet it'll be one of those years where three or four guys get first place votes. 
It, it's funny, Anthony Rendon uh, not just hits for power, but average and also plays a tremendous third base. And I know there's all the talk about Nolan Arenado, but I, I really do believe since I get the chance to see this guy on a daily basis, I stick him right up there with Arenado. Oh, I agree. And uh, my guy in the Phoenix, Goldschmidt, you know, he's played yeah. it a little in in uh, September, but it was his – when I talked to him in, uh, in uh, well, I don't know, at some point in the season I said, uh, you're going to win the MVP. I said this to Goldschmidt, and he looked at me and goes, Anthony Rendon's going to win the MVP. Next question. Wow. <laughs> wow. How yeah. about that? And well, that's, that was, and that's that a pretty high praise there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Houston boys got to stick together. <laughs> How's everything down there after the uh, after the uh, storms and everything you guys suffered through? Yeah, day by day, you know, it's massive, massive cleanup. The, the energizing part is to see how people came together to support one another and help one another. It, uh, you know, the worst of times brings out the best of people, and we've seen it here. Richard Justice of MLB.com, thanks so much for being with us and lending your expertise and helping us preview the playoffs next week. Boy, I've never, you know, it's, it's really fun. I didn't stand it and ask that many questions, but, you know, his questions aren't really that good. So well, you know, that's that's just the way it is, you know. When you fly solo, you try to get the best people on, and you're certainly one of the best. <laughs> All right. Uh, Richard Justice, MLB.com. When we come back on the bat around as we roll right along on this Saturday morning, Bob Carpenter, the play-by-play voice of the Nationals from Masson. He will join us, and we're going to continue to preview the playoffs where the Nationals will take on the Chicago Cubs beginning on Friday at Nats Park. Members of the GCR community, they're telling me about their experiences at Full Circle Tire and Auto. Steve Barry, why did you take your vehicle to Full Circle? I saw a uh, service light on the dashboard, and I called the dealership, and they told me it was going to be about $200 to do it, and I heard the commercial for Full Circle Tire and Auto. And I called them, and they told me that they could save me even more money than I thought. They were about $100 less, and it turns out that they didn't have the correct fluid for the car, so they actually went to the dealership and got it and didn't charge me any extra for it. And that's not all they did for you, was it? About a week and a half later, they sent a personalized thank you card from Amy and the team. They signed it, and it's actually really nice, something I've never experienced before. That's the difference at Full Circle Tire and Auto, 410 Six seven six two two seven seven. That's four one zero six seven six cars. Thirteen zero four Governor's Court, Unit one ten in Abingdon, and FullCircleTireAndAuto.com. Guys, can you believe that we've been in Section three thirty six for twenty five years? Well, yeah, twenty fifth anniversary of Canham Yards. Yeah, we've, we've been, been in Section three thirty six. Well, I mean, technically, are we? Well, technically, we're in three three four. No, no, no. Section three thirty six. We're in Section three thirty six. Yeah, like our podcast, that's who we are. We're section 336. Every Monday night. It's Every Monday night, yeah. But, you know, when we go to the stadium, we tend to sit in 334. But the ticket's screwed up. We're just, we can touch section 336. I walk past, I say hi to Ryan in section 336. Yeah, and when we say hi to Ryan, we can talk Orioles because we always do here on the show, section 336. Yeah, so section 336. Section 336. That's where we are. Just lie to him. That's Find Section 336 at the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com or by going to iTunes or Section336.com. Looking for a challenge? Push yourself further. It begins when you enlist as a soldier in the U.S. Army. You'll be trained in one of more than 150 career fields and could even earn money for college if you qualify. To find out more, visit your local Army recruiter or log on to GoArmy.com. There's Strong, and then there's Army Strong, paid for by the United States Army. Money for college, more than 150 career paths, up to $40,000 signing bonus. Visit GoArmy.com slash 40K bonus. 
Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, podcast. Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to job and out. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's jobbing out, Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins he Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. PressBox's Project Game Day is back at halftime of every game. Glenn Clark goes live on PressBox's Facebook page to chat about how the Ravens have performed thus far. And after the game, Glenn is joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard to break down all aspects of what went right or wrong for Baltimore. Watch live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and also brought to you by the U.S. Army. We'll see you for Project Game Day. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, video-wise, I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand, for me, why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Well, okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Welcome back to the Battle Round. Craig Heist in for Stan the Fan this week and uh, flying solo. And with me, special guest is Bob Carpenter from Masson, play-by-play voice of the Nationals. And this uh, postseason thing now, it's getting to be kind of a regularity around here. Yeah, and that's a good thing, Heisty. I mean, it's great that we're back in it. Obviously, everybody wants the Nationals to at least get through the first round. Take it from there because the thought around here seems to be, you know, that, that best-of-five thing goes pretty fast. It moves quickly. One or two bad things happen, and you're done. So with, with this ball club, you know, this is a ball club that's built to win over a long season, and I hope over a long playoff run too. But, you know, getting through that first round is so big. Glad we have another opportunity to do it here in D.C., and, and I, I'm feeling real good about what this team might be able to accomplish this year. All right, let's take it to that point. What's it going to take for this team to get past the first round? And I think maybe the biggest thing is a healthy Steven Strasburg to go along with the rest of that rotation, Max, Gio, Tanner Roar. Well, you took my first answer right there. I, I've been telling people for weeks, if Steven Strasburg doesn't miss a start in the postseason, he's healthy, and if Bryce Harper comes back, and contributes anything offensively and plays good defense and affects the other guys around him in the lineup, I think the Nats have a chance for a deep run. You know, you don't want to put it all on two guys. I mean, it's a team game. They have to hit better than they did in the playoffs last year. If Bryce can perform the way he did in 14, which, you know, he was fantastic in that series against the Giants, anything close to that, just to have him healthy out there. And, again, having the other guys feed off of him, I think it'll be huge. But when you look at Max and Steven, and Gio, and then if you need him, Tanner Roark, who's got three to four better pitchers than that starting anywhere, 
in the playoffs. I think this team is loaded pitching, bullpen now, of course, defense, offense, you name it, the Nats have it. Well, now you saw Harp up in Philadelphia, a couple of games up there. He had the night off in the first game of this series on uh, Thursday night. But what are you seeing out of him in, in, in only a small sample size? Well, I just see a guy who looks like he's healthy. Uh, his, his swing looks good. He looks free and easy. He had to chase a couple of balls down in the right field corner at the bank up there. Did well, came up throwing. His throws were on target. You know, that was one of the big things I noticed about him in 14. Yeah, he hit a couple of homers and a couple of doubles and drove in runs. He was playing left field at that time, but he made every play. He threw to the right base. There was no more of this airmail in the ball all over the place. Bryce has become a very disciplined outfielder as well, in my opinion. So I saw all of that in 14, and I thought that could lead to big things in 15. Then he goes out and becomes an MVP. Probably would be this year again. Was it not for the you know the month and a half when he didn't play? So I, I think Bryce is fine. It's a matter of timing. And here's something else to consider, Craig. Next week, after the Nats are done playing Sunday, he's got four more days of treatment, mm-hmm. working out, getting things in order physically. That in in the past I've been worried about those four days because the ball club loses its rhythm. You lose your mojo. This year. That four-day break might be a big help because of what Bryce can do. And not just Bryce, but a few others on this club as well. Well, yeah, and guys are banged up after a season like this. It'll be good for Jason. You know, he came out and kind of experienced spring training now over the last couple of weeks. You know, you know, Matt Wieters is beat up. I talked to Matt last night, and he said, I'm looking forward to four days of, uh, you know, some relaxing, some family time, getting ready for the playoffs, and then we'll be geared up and ready to go. So I think that's a big thing, too. So those four days uh, could, could help the Nats. You just hope they don't lose the rhythm that they've attained during a very successful regular season. Let's talk about that first-round opponent, the Chicago Cubs, the defending world champions. Joe Madden's got a team with that experience from last year and a couple of playoff experiences. But, you know, you look at it, their pitching staff with Arietta and Lester at the top of it. You know, I asked Gio earlier yesterday, I said, look, and he said, this is a potent lineup, and they've got great starting pitching. And he says, okay, so we beat up on one another. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. And, yeah. yeah, and whoever's standing wins. <laughs> it, you know, it's a heavyweight matchup. It really is. Now, having said that, Arietta and Lester – uh, you know, they're not doing what they did last year. Now, you put them in a one-game do-or-die situation in the playoffs, you may see the Jake Arietta of last year, the John Lester, who is arguably the best left-hander in baseball last year. You know, the Cubs have playoff experience now. They didn't just win it last year. They won a series the year before that. They beat St. Louis. They ran into Murphy and the Mets, and they got beaten when a lot of people wanted the Cubs to win, and they didn't do it. But that set the stage for last year. So here they are, Craig, three years in a row. This is not a, a Cubs team that's, uh, you know, strutting around, hey, we're world champions, blah, blah, blah. They're a seasoned playoff team now, and they know what it takes to win. How much of the fact of the struggles in the first half for that team do you think helps them? Because after the All-Star break, they kicked it in, had a little bit of a struggle, but then went on to to win their division. Well, it lets them know that you have to work hard. Uh, You know, in hockey, they say you don't just throw your sticks out on the ice and win. In baseball, you don't just step on the field and win. You have to work hard. It's a game that will punish you if you don't do the right things and you aren't prepared and you don't do all those little things you need to win. So the Cubs have learned that. The Nats know that. And now, you know, maybe they can duplicate what the Cubs did where they got by that first playoff series. 
Uh, I'm not saying they want to lose like the Cubs did their first time around. The Nats want to keep on going. But, uh, you know, you get through that first round, like I said before, it's huge. And I think it's two great teams. I think, uh, you know, with the Dodgers' recent struggles, is are these the two best teams in the league? Maybe. Uh, you still have to respect the Dodgers' body of work during the regular season and the fact that Arizona has completely, if they get through and beat Colorado, and, you know, Colorado's got a clinch first, but it looks like they will. Uh, you know, who's going to be the best team? Uh, often it's who's playing the best at that particular time. How about Dusty with his pitching staff? The last question in terms of the playoffs. You know what the starting pitching is like, but the back end of that bullpen now with Kinsler, Matson, and Doolittle. We saw Doolittle blow a save for the first time in the first game of this series. And maybe that's a good thing going forward, that he got that out of his system. But, boy, has that solidified this pen. Well, the Nats have the big three, and then the Nats have the big three. They got Scherzer, they have Strasburg and Geo, they have Kinsler, they have Madsen and Doolittle. Don't forget about Matt Albers. He'll probably pay a, play a key role. Oliver Perez, uh, Matt Grace, if he's in there. Is is it any Romero or Sammy Solis called upon to get a left-handed batter? I mean, uh, one, of, one of those guys is going to be called on a couple of times in this series to get Rizzo out or somebody in that Cubs lineup. So I like the fact that there's a big three starting and there's a big three at the end of that bullpen. Bob, I know a lot of people try, like to keep score at home watching on TV. You have a scorebook, which I know I've used quite a few years throughout my career. How can people get it? And uh, what's the benefit to having something like you put out yearly? Well, I think it's a fun thing. Craig, because uh, it's a labor of love for me. I'm never going to get rich off of that thing, but uh, we're going to have fun with it, and we have for years. I've met baseball fans all over the world who have ordered the scorebook. I've sent them to Europe. I've sent them to the Caribbean, uh, you know, to Mexico, to England, I mean, to the Far East. It's been kind of an interesting deal, but... um, you know, uh, you can get it at bcscorebook.com. Now, the Nationals book that has our own cover on it and references to the Nationals in the book, that's only available at the team store here at the ballpark. And that's a smaller version. That's what we call the fan book. You can bring it to the ballpark. Uh, you know, uh, women can fit it in their purse. Guys can fit it in their purse. I, you know, I mean, guys are carrying all kind of different things these days. So it, it's made to be smaller than the broadcast version that I use up in the booth and that Charlie and Dave use. And uh, you can bring it to the ballpark and keep score while you're watching the game. So, again, the Nats one is available in the team store. The other one's available online, the broadcast books, and a generic fan book at bcscorebook.com. And I know you did a signing last night at the bookstore here. Yeah, a lot of fun uh, meeting a lot of people. And, uh, you know, our fans are, uh, are getting into this thing more every year we're trying to keep the art of uh, scoring a game alive i think it's a you know it's an old school thing that's a lot of fun and uh, i'm glad to be a part of it bob carpenter masson enjoy the uh, playoffs thanks for having me on buddy and uh, let's hope we're still talking about this stuff a couple weeks from now okay. good enough all right bob carpenter masson sports and uh, of course uh, he is the play-by-play man for the washington nationals he and fp santangelo in the booth together covering all the Nats games during the course of the season. The playoffs begin for Washington on Friday at home against the Chicago Cubs. And to talk about that and some of the other issues with this club as they get set for the postseason, wrapping up the weekend series and the regular season against the Pittsburgh Pirates is our good friend Chelsea Janes of the Washington Post. Chelsea, good morning. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. All right. We saw probably one of the hottest pitchers in the league last night in Steven Strasburg, and uh, he was pretty dominant uh, before he came out of that game 
against the Pirates, uh, strikes out eight, uh, and, and again, another just a dominant performance. And early on, the first four innings of that game, well, actually into the fifth inning, he sets down 14 straight. Uh, I, this guy looks like, and I think this is really going to be the difference, and I talked to Richard Justice earlier about it, and, and to Bob Carpenter, uh, to me, having him healthy heading into the postseason may be the one thing that puts this team over the hump. Yeah, I mean, he's looked incredible. And, and you know, he's, he's looked like he has when he's healthy, which is, you know, how he's always been when he's healthy. And it's just that he's finally there. And I think, you know, in his head, too, he's finally here. He's strong at this time of year. He's accomplished that, which has been hard for him. So I, I think he's got a little bit of an extra you know, something behind what he's doing right now because he feels like he could finally prove that he's not the fragile guy. He can be there in October. And, and I, I do think he'll make a huge difference. I mean, think of the difference between what they had, you know, last year when they came up a run short as opposed to this year. You know, it, it, having Strasburg is worth a run or two. And, and you figure, you know, this is a, a deeper team and that rotation of Scherzer and, and Strasburg is as deep as it gets. In terms of what this team has to do to get over the hump, not just Strasburg, but I think it's just a better equipped team in terms of what the offense has done. And last night we saw a lineup that was out there for the first time, basically minus Adam Eaton, of course, but out there for the first time since back in May. And you see Zimmerman go four for four, a couple of doubles, two home runs, four RBI. Jason Worth goes back to back with him in the one inning last night. Uh, this this has a a potential if everything is right with this offense and of course you know you never know you can slump for three games four games in the postseason just like you can in the middle of the year there's just more emphasis on it now uh, but if this offense does what it's done most of the year this this is a pretty promising you know thing coming forward for the Nationals as they head toward the postseason. Yeah, I think so. You know, I don't think it's fair to expect them to hit the way they, they can because you're going to be facing these guys that are obviously elite-level starters almost the whole way through. But I think that what they have this year that you just don't see a lot and haven't seen around the league this year and certainly haven't seen with them is just incredible depth and depth of experienced hitters. So, you know, given, say, you're facing a Kershaw or, or you know, a Arietta when he's on his game, you're probably going to get two or three runs. But if you've got veterans out there who've been there, who've seen him, and who you know generally put together pretty competitive at-bats, it's going to make it harder on them. And they have that everywhere in the lineup. And last year there were holes. I mean, there were glaring holes. And, and I think that you don't have that this year. And you have people that are going to make these guys work. And, and whether that leads to runs, who knows. But it's certainly better than the alternative. Who's your National League MVP? Oh, that's tough. I mean, I think Goldschmidt probably all around has had the best year, but I'm I'm continually surprised by how much Anthony Rendon stacks up. You know, I think he's just been outstanding and, and a really big impact player uh, on a team that you don't think necessarily needed one, but, you know, given the injuries and, and the streakiness and Murphy having a little bit of a down year, if that's fair to say, well, um, yeah. I think yeah, I mean, I think Rendon's the guy. Well, and it's funny, and the reason I ask you that, and I kind of put you on the spot real quick, but uh, the reason I ask you that was because I asked Richard Justice about it, and Richard Justice says, well, I was talking to Paul Goldschmidt, and Goldschmidt says, you know, Anthony Rendon's going to win the MVP, so let's just move on. <laughs> really? So, now that Now, that's high praise coming from Paul Goldschmidt. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's a comment on the on the voting, you know, base or what, but I I'm surprised to hear him say that. You know, I would think kind of the opposite. I think that Rendon gets buried a little bit, and and personally, you know, it's it's tough to look at one guy on a lineup where you have Bryce Harper, Murphy, Zimmerman, on and on, and say that's the MVP. You know, but I think that he's just been so good that he should certainly be, you know, a very competitive candidate. I I I think I'd be surprised to see him win it, but. I, it's, it's really interesting to hear that because it's, it tells you the respect he's got around the league. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we've all been around Ryan Zimmerman for a good while, uh, and, and we know how hard he works. We know uh, how frustrating the last three years prior to this one has been for him. And it's funny when you ask him last night about can you appreciate what everybody's gone through, uh, especially like a Jason Worth and a Bryce Harper, uh, to get themselves back out there as far as injuries are concerned. And he said, yeah, I can appreciate that. <laughs> and yeah. but, but when you see him and what he's done this year with the proper amount of rest that, uh, that Dusty's given him, and all of a sudden you're looking at 36 homers, 100 RBI, he's hitting 300, uh, his name could easily be in that conversation. Yeah, I think it should be. You know, I, I think he's sort of, it's not lost in this season, but it, it really is stunning what he's been able to do. And I think it's one of those many things around this team that makes you say, huh, you know, maybe this really is the shot, you know, because you, you might not get the transit movement again. He might not be able to stay healthy, but a guy who said for three years that he wasn't done has sort of emphatically proven that he's not done. And in so doing, given you, this unbelievable middle of the lineup that you just could never have counted on having. And I think, you know, little things like that, you know, I just think that that's one of those things you look at and say, wow, this is something special, you know, bottle this up and and ride it for all it's worth. And, you know, hopefully they're able to kind of turn his big year, Strasburg's relatively healthy year and a few others into, into the run they've been hoping for. Uh, With Mike Rizzo uh, running this ship over the last, you know, obviously, you know, several years. When you think about what he's done this year as far as putting this roster together, having to deal with all the injuries and having guys like a Wilmer Defoe, a Brian Goodwin, you know, an Alejandro Diaz all of a sudden comes up here and he starts to play decent and and provide a little offense, play good defense. Uh, What they've done, and obviously the bullpen acquisitions by the trade deadline, to go out, how much credit, I, I mean, is it really appreciated around baseball just how good a GM Mike Rizzo is? I don't know. I, I think that he does fly under the radar in some ways. And I think that the thing that he doesn't get credit for isn't those deals so much as, you know, the people he puts around him. I think that the people he puts in place um, get overlooked. He's got a ton of former GMs on his staff, a lot of people that are willing to challenge him a lot of people that are willing to kind of say what they think. He's not afraid to put, you know, pretty big egos around him. And I think what that's done is allowed him to trust people in the draft, internationally, you know, in trades, you know, when he's scouting people. And and that's why, you know, they have so much success in all of those areas. You look at this team, it's built on trades. It's built on, you know, the Latin program. It's built on a variety of things. It's not just one thing that this organization has done well. And I think that you give Rizzo credit for putting the right people there. I think that's where he deserves the most credit and, and for being able, you know, for a guy who, who's a pretty proud guy to be able to say, I'm going to put eight GMs around me and I'm going to let them tell me when I'm wrong. That's, you know, that's pretty impressive. And, and 
you know, not something you see a whole lot in this age of, you know, data and, and numbers and, and all that. I know there's two more games to go, and if the Nationals can win tonight with Max Scherzer on the hill, they will tie uh, their club their record for the most wins in a season at 98. Uh, have a chance to break it with Geo on the hill on Sunday if they're able to win tonight. Uh, but when you look ahead toward the playoffs and the postseason against the Cubs, you have the defending world champions with obviously what, what they went through last year, and they've been to the postseason uh, two years in a row now. Uh, they're probably, I don't think pitching-wise, as equipped as the Nationals are, but still Arietta, Lester, you know, they, they still have a, a very formidable staff. Their young guys have come up and done a nice job. How do you see that series going? I mean, I think it'll be five games. That's sort of something I've accepted as true. Um, but I, I really think that the Nationals are a better team, and I would never have said that last year, you know, obviously. I just think that they're more well-rounded and they're deeper. And the Cubs made that run last year, so they've got a year of experience. But I think just in terms of overall accumulated playoff and, you know, veteran experience, the Nets have a pretty impressive bunch. And, you know, I think... You know, you get a kind of sense of weariness from the Cubs a little bit that they like they kind of took everything out of them last year, and and the same desperation doesn't exist, and and maybe that matters not at all, but I just feel like in terms of sort of motivation, if that plays into it, I think there's no way you can say the Cubs are sort of more desperate than the Nats, and I, there's all these reasons why you can look at it and say, you know, maybe this is the Nats, this matchup favors the Nats, but you know, who knows? It, I, it's hard to say what the Cubs' knowledge of what it takes to get there will mean, but, you know, I think it'll be a really good series and a lot of star power, obviously. Managerial-wise, Dusty Baker, he's never won a World Series. He's been to the playoffs a ton of times. Uh, Joe Madden, we know what he's about since he's been the uh, manager of the Cubs, but we knew about what he was like getting the Rays to a World Series against the Phillies uh, not too long ago. But, you know, we saw him a lot covered the Orioles in the American League when he was the manager of the Rays. How much does managing in the postseason play a role in your mind? How important is it? I, I think it's important. I think it's, it's really hard to say. You know, I think that if, if something goes a little bit differently last year, you look at Joe Madden and say, what the heck is he doing with Chapman? You know, there's, there's just so many different moments and different things that make a manager look good or bad in those situations that I think it's hard to say. I think, obviously, Dusty has had a lot of things go bad on him. Um, and if you maybe don't agree with how he handles the starters and stuff, you can worry that that plays in. But, you know, I, I think at this point with this team, like, the talent is there, the experience is there. There's not going to be a lot of moments in game where these guys need guidance. You know, I think that it's more of an emotional leadership that they need, and that's why they've been so successful under Dusty because they don't need an, an X's and O's guy if you don't think he is that. You know, they need someone who's going to be steady and understand them and, and keep them rested, and I think that's what you've seen. And, you know, there's just so much talent here. I, I feel like it maybe doesn't matter, but, you know, we'll see when those bullpen decisions come around if, you know, how much manager, managing means and, and maybe how much talent can kind of blast all that away and make it not matter. Our few remo uh, remaining minutes with Chelsea Janes of the Washington Post. And, Chelsea, let me ask you something real quick about the uh, entire slew of Major League Baseball teams. We have 
the Dodgers, obviously, in the National League with 100 wins. Over in the American League, we saw Houston get there yesterday with a win uh, over the Red Sox up at Fenway. Cleveland's at 101. Uh, and when you look at some of that, I always say it's hard to win 100 games the same way it's hard to lose 100 games. But you have three teams with over 100 or with 100 wins or more. And in the American League this year, 10 teams are under 500. Eight teams in the National League right now currently under 500, with two games left to play in the regular season. Are we looking at mediocrity? Are we looking at parity? What's what's your take on that? I don't know. You know, I, I think it's a it's obviously a really interesting question. I'm you know you look at the Nats division even and say you know this is a totally one sided thing and probably will be next year too. I think maybe part of it is has to do with this cycle of rebuilding that people have really bought into that you look around and you can say we can do this in three years and be you know if we kind of lose a lot of games now we'll we'll get all these picks and we'll be in great shape in a couple years and you have teams sort of really plummeting but at the same time you know with all those losing teams in the American League that the American League wildcard races were pretty interesting because everybody was in it so whatever whatever is happening isn't really destroying kind of the interest at least from my perspective but it is kind of fascinating to see the, the haves and have-nots. And, you know, I think the Nats are definitely a beneficiary of that because they played in a division that was pretty much all have-nots all season and never were really challenged. And one last question I have for you, and that's in terms of the Nationals heading to the postseason and the biggest catalyst, if you will, or the most important guy in that lineup. A lot of people say it would be a healthy Bryce Harper a lot of people say, you know, Daniel Murphy's got to continue to, to, you know, to do what he's done over the last year and a half to two. Uh, we know what the lineup is like and how potent it can be, but I maintain that Trey Turner at the top of that lineup could be the most important factor in this postseason for the Nationals. Yeah, I think so, too. I think particularly in the first series against the Cubs, you know, obviously – Miguel Montero wasn't a great defensive catcher when he was there when they played last, but I think, you know, Trey ran all over them, and their pitchers, are, they have a lot of trouble holding runners, and, and they know they have a lot of trouble holding runners, and so if you get a guy there that is one of those runners that you have to hold, all of a sudden that's in your head, and, and Trey has really come on lately getting on base and, and being a threat that way, so, you know, if he's on base a lot, it, it changes the game, it changes those pitchers, it, it weakens them, it, it, you know, it's a factor, and and I think that he is the guy that could really change the series against the Cubs. And then maybe you look at the Dodgers and, and that catalyst changes. But I think it's, I think you're right that he's a, a huge potential influence on this series and, you know, somebody that could really propel the Nats in a way they maybe haven't been in the past. Chelsea Janes, Washington Post, covers the Nationals, does a great job. I am proud and honored to call her a friend as I've gotten to know her over the last few years. Uh, thanks so much for being with us on the bat around today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. We're going to take a break, step out for just a second, come back, wrap things up, and uh, preview uh, what's coming up a little later today in other sports. And uh, I'll get some final comments from Mr. Tufa across the way. When we return on the Bat Around. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the contrast in College Park as Maryland football coach DJ Durkin overhauls the Terps culture in his second season at the helm. Plus, Stan the Fan Charles makes suggestions on how to fix the Orioles pitching rotation for 2018. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Many people know about Goodwill through donating clothes and furniture. Did you know that Goodwill also accepts vehicle donations? Goodwill accepts vehicles in running or non-running condition. When you donate a vehicle, you can steer clear of all of the headaches associated with trying to sell a car yourself. It's fast, simple, and reliable, and you also receive a tax deduction. When you donate to Goodwill, know that your donation is being used to help someone find a job. Last year, we provided job training services to people in need of assistance because of physical, mental, or other social barriers and placed over 3,000 into jobs. To donate your vehicle to Goodwill, visit givethegoodwill.org or call 866-492-2770. That's givethegoodwill.org, 866-492-2770. Here at Linex, we pride ourselves on protecting what matters most, which is why we're proud to partner with St. Jude Children's Research Hospital to support their mission of finding cures and saving children's lives. So during the month of September, we'll be making a donation to St. Jude for every bedliner sold in recognition of Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. Because all a family should worry about is helping their child live. Visit linex.com slash give to St. Jude to learn more and get involved. Working as part of a team is strong. Working with a team of more than a million soldiers is Army strong. Join the U.S. Army and train in one of more than 150 career fields that's more options than any other military branch. Visit your local Army recruiter or log on to GoArmy.com for more. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Paid for by the United States Army. Money for college. More than 150 career paths. Up to 40000 signing bonus. Visit GoArmy.com slash 40K bonus. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back at halftime of every game. Glenn Clark goes live on Pressbox's Facebook page to chat about how the Ravens have performed thus far. And after the game, Glenn is joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard to break down all aspects of what went right or wrong for Baltimore. Watch live at Facebook.com slash Sports. Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and also brought to you by the U.S. Army. We'll see you for Project Game Day. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square introduces the best 2017 breakfast on the go. The all-new Chick-fil-A hash brown scramble. Fresh eggs, hash browns, cheddar and Monterey Jack cheeses, plus either sausage or Chick-fil-A nuggets, all served hot and wrapped in a warm, scrumptious flour tortilla served with a side of dipping salsa. Want it to be ready when you get there? Download the Chick-fil-A app and order your hash brown scramble in advance. Stop by Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard in White Marsh today and tell Steve I sent you. The Parexcel Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call 1-877-617-8839. Call now.
Welcome back to the Battle Round. I'm Craig Heist, sitting in for Stan the Fan this week as Stan is enjoying uh, the holiday. And uh, we will have Stan back here next Saturday. I'm hoping I'm do, do we Do we have to? Uh, we don't have to, but... Uh, <laughs> I might not be here, so no. I, 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 a lot of it depends on what uh, time the Nationals game is on Saturday against the Chicago Cubs, and that would be game two of the NLDS. So we'll just have to wait and see. I'm assuming everything would be all right for me to come in here after game one and talk to Stan about it and mm-hmm. just talk about the playoffs in general. Is, isn't it like every game on Sunday at the same time the, tomorrow yes yeah. every every game in the major leagues is at three o'clock on sunday and that was done specifically because of what we've had in the past few years which we haven't had or which we won't have this year and that's a lot of races coming down uh to the final mm-hmm. you know, the to, only race that's the left is, is the, the national league well no the well two okay the yeah. national league wild card both the yankees and the red Sox are in the playoffs yeah just depends on who wins the american league east and who is the wild card to take on the Minnesota Twins. Either mm-hmm. way, the Twins are traveling to either New York or on Tuesday to Boston. It depends. But Boston right now with a two-game lead with two to play over the Yankees. Boston and the Yankees play both today at 1.05. Yankees at Yankee Stadium against the Blue Jays and the Red Sox and the Astros at Fenway Park. I do want to change topics. I have been following Maryland football more this year, and I just can't believe the harsh luck they've had so far this season, losing two quarterbacks. Well, you go down, you go down to Texas, and you win a game on the in the opener that nobody thought you could win. Right. And you pretty much dominate that game in a lot of different areas. Yeah, there were some mistakes, but mm-hmm. everybody thought Maryland. You know, they went in as a 17 or an 18 point underdog in that game, but they wind up winning and hanging 51 on the Longhorns, and then they come uh, and and come to play uh, Central Florida. And they wind up, they lose Piggy in the first game against Texas. They lose Hill last week. So yep. now they're down to their third-string quarterback as they take on Minnesota today mm-hmm. at noon. I think that game starts in just a little while. Uh, again, how quickly does he adjust and is able to – handle that offense and uh, we'll see but uh, a tough task on the road for anybody i do want to mention towson is having a football game today at john united stadium against villanova at 6 p.m tonight all right so get out there if you're local get out there and see that uh good time towson football thank everybody today for their participation in the show steve molesky of mass and sports and massandsports.com glenn clark of glenn clark radio he stopped in and uh said a few words to us, and uh, we appreciate that because I really do. I owe him mm-hmm. because he's co-hosted. He came, he came, he came one time. in one time. He co-hosted with me. I got to get up here and, and be with him 10 to 12 on, on one day because, uh, you know, Glenn also works sometimes down at 106.7 with me in mm-hmm. D.C., so it has, it's been a while since he has, uh, uh, but yet uh, we like to work together, so trying uh, to bounce things off one mm-hmm. another, so that's always good. Uh, Richard Justice of MLB.com, Chelsea Janes of the Washington Post. We also heard uh, from Bob Carpenter, play-by-play voice of the Nationals on Masson, and also Gio Gonzalez, the uh, starting pitcher tomorrow for Washington as he winds up the regular season. Very action-packed show. Yeah, and we also got to, you know, we also got Richard to, to <laughs> tell us the truth that you know there are better questions to ask that when I am when I host a show as opposed to when Stan hosts. I mean, he said that. I, that's not me. Yeah. That's coming from Richard. 
And we got it here. We got it recorded. We're going to show it to Stan for proof. Exactly. <laughs> That'll do it for us on the Bat Around. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone, and we'll see you back here again next Saturday when the whole when the whole gang will be here. What are the odds of you coming on Saturday? Good. Good. All yeah. Right. I should be here because right. I don't expect the Nationals game to be a day game where I couldn't get down, or at least starting before four o'clock in the afternoon. Right. All right. Sounds good. All right. Talk to you then. Have a great weekend, everyone.